0: Welcome to This Week in Brattleboro History,
1: produced by the
2: Brattleboro Brattleboro Historical Society and the Brattleboro Area Middle School.
1: In the late 1800s, at the bottom of Meadowbrook Road, there was a mill on the Whetstone Brook. The property included a house and a dam on the brook to help feed water power to the mill. Frank Curtis, a French-Canadian immigrant, lived there with his wife and 11 children. In
0: 1829, Francis Curtis was born in Canada. His parents were Joseph and Angelina Courtois. Joseph died when Francis was a toddler. Census records indicate that Francis moved to Vermont in 1845. He changed his last name to Curtis and asked people to call him Frank. In the 1850s census, he appeared in Middlebury as a 20 year old cabinet maker who, in the last year, had married 19 year old Amelia M. Alexander from New York. Amelia's parents were also from Canada. In the 1850s, the young family relocated to Brandon, Vermont. Frank was successful enough as a cabinetmaker to own his own home and, with Amelia, raise a growing brood of children. In 1865, Frank became a naturalized U.S. citizen and shortly afterwards relocated to West Brattleboro. By
1: 1870,
0: the family had grown to 11 children. During the next year, Frank designed and built a machine that could automatically make screws. Here's what his son wrote about his father's invention almost 40
2: years later. In the village of Brattleboro, Vermont in the year 1871, the first automatic screw machine was made. The inventor and maker of this machine, Francis Curtis, was a cabinet maker born in Canada where he lived until 1845 when he came to the States at the age of 16 to make his way in the world. Eventually, he began a family and settled in the above-named village to follow his trade. He had his own little shop and made spindle bedsteads, which were so popular at that time, and other furniture. He always had an inclination to tinker with machinery and was ever anxious to take up this line of work in preference to cabinet making. The opportunity finally presented itself, as he had, by industry and careful saving, succeeded in accumulating a $1,000 besides paying for his home. He invested this in some machinery, among which was a planer, engine lathe, and speed lathe. He set about making early forms of bicycles known as velocipedes. He built a dozen or more, but before he started another lot, his plans were diverted by a remark made to him by a man who visited his workshop. This man picked up a screw from off the bench, and after looking at it a moment, said, Frank, why don't you make a machine for making these screws automatically? That was all the hint my father needed, and he embarked on the challenge. His mind was made up, for in those few moments he saw the machine which has proven to be one of the greatest labor-saving devices of the 19th century. He went about at once to plan the machine, with the result that within 11 months from the day it was suggested, he had a complete machine finished and running. It was built without drawings, except for a few pencil sketches of some of the details. The machine was made to take in half-inch wide stock and make a screw up to one and a quarter inches long, round or flathead, and with remarkable uniformity considering the crudeness of the machine. For remember, it was not made by an expert machinist, but by a cabinetmaker who must have learned as he went along the important details of machine construction. Many people came hundreds of miles to see the machine in operation. Ran by Henry Curtis, 1909.
0: Frank was an accomplished woodworker, but the 1870 census also said he worked in a shop that made machines for the stencil painting trade. In the 1800s, it was fashionable for painters to use stencils in order to decorate walls inside homes. This was before wallpaper became affordable for many. Frank worked with the machines that made wooden stencils. This may have been where
2: he developed the desire to tinker with the machines. In 1873, the Vermont Phoenix wrote this. The screw-cutting machine patented not long since by Mr. Frank Curtis of this village is one of those triumphs of modern inventive genius which, in an earlier age, would have won for its contriver the suspicion of complicity with the evil one. We have but lately had an opportunity to see the machine in operation, and shall be surprised if the attention of men of capital and enterprise does not year long result in its manufacture and use on a scale commensurate with its merits. By the employment of this apparatus, the making of machine screws, to which it is adapted, is reduced to a mere pastime, and not a very brisk one, either. You insert the end of a long wire into a hole, and then all you have to do is sit and see the thing work. In a short time, the wire is transformed into screws, all perfectly formed and ready for use. Screws of various lengths and sizes are made by the same machine, and the working capacity is from 60 to 100 per hour. Mr. Curtis has two machines constantly running on orders. The machines themselves, though somewhat intricate, seldom require attention or repair, and are not very costly. This wonderful invention is the result of months of hard study and labor on the part of Mr. Curtis, and we hope he will find us fortunate. in it. Soon after this article was published, a local man named Henry Devins invested in the screw machine invention and provided capital enough for more machines to be made and marketed to others. Henry Devins had moved to Bradwell in the 1860s. He had been a sea captain who sailed out of Boston and traded around the world. For 20 years, he specialized in trade with China and had become very wealthy. Devons decided to purchase a home in Brattleboro while staying at the Wesselhoft Water Cure and visiting friends. He bought the Stoddard Mansion, which was situated where Moor Court is now located. Devons also bought the Main Street building that became known as the Devons Block and invested in the further development and production of Frank Curtis's screw machine. It is unknown how much Devons invested, but he ended up owning three-fourths of the updated patent that was approved in 1880.
1: The machine business proved to be very competitive. Frank and some of his older sons continued to refer the automatic screw making process. The Vermont Phoenix reported that Frank combined ideas from his machine with innovations from another inventor. These machines were built in West Brattleboro and sold to the Hartford Machine Screw Company of Hartford, Connecticut. In 1880, the Vermont Phoenix reported the inventions virtually monopolize the manufacture of machine screws. The manufacture of screws will continue at the west village of as Mr. Curtis has kept a fixed number of these machines for our local production. One operator does the work of several on the other machines and the labor saving of these machines is unrivaled. In
0: 1883, a patent for improvements to Frank's original machine was granted to Frank and his son, Albert Curtis. In the mid-1880s, Frank Curtis moved to Springfield, Massachusetts to be closer to larger machining companies. The concepts that were specific to screw manufacturing were also applied to the manufacture of other items. In 1905, one of his sons, Frank Curtis Jr., began the Curtis Screw Company in Buffalo, New York. The company began with an automatic screw machine invented by Frank Sr. that would continually produce five screws at a time. It was five times more efficient than the machine first invented 30 years earlier in West Bridgewater. The business gradually used the original manufacturing platform to expand into production of precision machine metal components for many industries.
3: Today, the company is part of McLean Curtis with manufacturing plants in Buffalo, New York and Cornelius, North Carolina. The Curtis division continues to specialize in screw machining and has expanded into the automotive field. Transmission, parking, steering, engine, and air conditioning parts are machined for the automotive and heavy truck industries. The business now has sales of $90 million a year. Many vehicles around the world today contain parts produced as a result of the tinkering of a French-Canadian immigrant in a West Brattleboro workshop 150 years ago. We'd like to thank Logan, Evan, Seamus, Noah, Jordan, Charlie, Eliza, and Rose for reading This Week in Brattleboro History. Please join us next week for another story from our community's past.